if you do have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I believe that there's going to be some uh, verses pop up on the screen. So if you didn't bring your Bible, you can do what I'm doing and read it on the screen. It says this. As he was talking, let me, this is David and Goliath, just in case you're unfamiliar with 1 Samuel chapter 17, um, David and Goliath. If you can never really get um, David and Goliath mentally in your head, um, just picture Rex standing next to Pastor Jeremy. Like, that's David, <laughs> Goliath. Like, you just kind of always will have that in your mind, David, Goliath, and it's probably even worse than that. But uh, let's, read, let's read this. It says, as he was talking with them, David is talking with some people there, the, the Israelite army. Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. So picture this, like all these tough guys, all these warriors, all of these guys ready to fight. It says that for 40 days, they came out in battle lines and looked at each other and mean mugged each other. But when Goliath came out... They began to say to each other, hey, see, Rex, stand up for one sec. Do you see this guy? Like, all right, now you can sit right down. And see, we joke, but as Goliath came out, and as he began to say what he was going to do to whoever came out first, whoever faced him in battle, everyone turned and said, well, have you seen this guy? Look how big he is. Look. I mean, read the, the story as it goes on. It talks about how big his shield was and how big his spear was and all of this stuff. And they were talking about how big this guy was. Let's pray. God, I pray that tonight as we look into your word that um, you would do something inside of us. You would change us. You would motivate us. You would challenge us. You would convict us. You would do something incredible in our hearts and in our lives because we will respond to your word and what your voice speaks to us tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right. So one, one summer um, when I first took over our youth ministry at Sheffield, um, I had a few, a couple of interns and then a, a guy that worked with me. And, and some days like we would get in trouble. Like we just had problems. We would get bored. We do silly and crazy stuff. Some stuff I used to do with Pastor Dennis. Like one time we threw um, pumpkins and fruit and all kinds of stuff off the top of our building, just smashed them in the parking lot. Another time Pastor Dennis almost killed me by throwing um, pop bottles filled with uh, dry ice, right? Yeah, that was awesome too. Um, but we would do silly stuff like that. So one day we're all hanging out and it's me, our two interns, who one of them is here tonight. He might be sitting over there. I don't know if he is or not, but he may be over in that direction. Um, and then there was another guy, his name was Prentice, and we're hanging out and I had this giant beanbag chair. And so we, our offices were up in the balcony and then there was a gym floor and it's a nice little drop there. So we had this beanbag chair sitting down and someone, I'm not sure who, but we're like, dude, we should jump from the balcony onto the beanbag chair. And guys, you know how that is. Like the first person says, I'm like, you wouldn't do that. And so you call somebody a chicken right away. Like you wouldn't do it. I bet I would. So we got into that. So then, well, let's go. So we all walk up to the top and we were all talking big stuff like, man, I'm just, there's a rail like this. I'm just going to jump over the rail and land on the chair. All these different things, right? We get up there. Everybody chickens out. It's like, well, it's way, way higher now than it was when we were standing on the ground. 
was like, man, whatever, I'll go. Move out the way. So I was like, all right, one, two, three. And I get right to the top, and I was like, no, we'll stay right here. And we stopped and looked, and I was like, dude, it was scary. So finally, I climb over, I talk to the guys, I call them punks, and then I jump. I land, and at first, I will admit, I was scared. It was terrifying looking down. I'm not even really afraid of heights, but it was scary because does anyone else imagine stuff like this? Like, you imagine what goes wrong, like, as it's happening. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to probably miss this. I'm going to break my leg. I'm going to get hurt. Like, all these different things are going through my mind. I'm so terrified. But then when you land, the adrenaline kicks in, and you're like, yeah, I wasn't scared. Look at you guys. You know, so I'm talking stuff the whole time to him, right? So then um, one other guy goes, the third guy, like, he was so terrified, white knuckles the entire time he's climbing over the thing. And he gets over there. He's like, nope, nope, nope. He climbed back over. And then there was another guy who wouldn't even get close. And I'm not sure if he's going to be speaking tomorrow night, but he might be. But like, I couldn't do anything. That dude would not jump over that balcony at all, no matter what we did. But you see, when, when it comes to going first, like there is always a price to pay. There's always a price to pay if you go first. For me, in that moment, it was, I had to get over that fear. I I had to face it. And so you're either going to face one of two things. If you go first, you're going to face emotional, (laughs) emotional price to pay or a physical price to pay. Because sometimes going first gets you hurt. I'm just going to tell you that it gets you hurt. Um, It gets broken limbs. Um, It gets broken shoulders or hurt shoulders. Sometimes, and fellas, let, let me let me help you out. Like sometimes you get embarrassed because there's girls around and you do stuff that you normally wouldn't do. You know you're not coordinated enough to pull off some of this stuff, but because a girl is there, I'll go. I'll go first. I'll go first. Walk on my hands down the steps. Got it. Got it. Let's do that now. Somebody get a camera out too. Let's record it because this is going to be epic. And then you get to relive those moments. Sometimes you pay the price physically because you mess stuff up. But here's the thing about going first. You always have the best stories. The people that go first almost always have the best stories. Because even if you mess up, if no one else did it, you still were the one who did it. You still were the one who went first. I mean, think about people that we talk about in the Bible. One of my favorite characters is Peter. And we talk about him quite a bit because that dude said a lot of dumb stuff. And he did a lot of dumb stuff. But he also was one of the first disciples called. He also was the only disciple to walk on water. He also was the first disciple to spread the gospel after Jesus. I mean, all of these different things. Peter went first. He's got a great story. And that's what I love about him because he messed up and still has a great story of all the times that he went first. And so as I was talking with Pastor Jeremy and he's telling me, man, victory is is the word for for you guys in this year and, and what he hopes to see happen in your lives. And that victory can begin to spread to those around you in your schools and your families I just began to think, like, what, what would happen? How much victory could you see really take place if you decided to simply go first? So tonight I want to talk to you about going first. So if you like titles and message titles, you can write going first. If you like Disney um, and, and you, you, that speaks to your heart even more, like titles aren't really that big a deal to me. I'm not very creative when it comes to that. So uh, going first is just easily what I put. But if you like Disney, you can put Beauty and the Beast because we're going to be talking about David and Goliath. If, um, if you got a little bit of hood in you, you might call this message, Catch Me Outside. How about that? You could do that. 
If you don't know what that means, I apologize. I said, catch me outside. How about that? That is, all right, my bad. But when we talk about going first, like, I know you get this. You see, in, in life and in your own life, you're one of two people. You're either a participant or you're a spectator. And you either watch people do dumb stuff or do exciting things and achieve goals and risk things, or you are the person who's doing those things. And what's crazy is we've developed into a culture and a society, and especially the younger we get, the more we're okay with being the spectator. The more we're okay, are you getting ready to do something? Okay, do you want, do I want to? No, 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 but I'll film you. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That's the first thing we do. We pull our phone out. I, I, there was a girl that tripped and fell the other night with a couple of friends of hers. And instead of helping her up and checking to make sure if she was okay, the two spectators that were with her pulled their phones out and videoed her getting up off the ground and asking her what happened. We have become a group of people that are content and even excited about being a spectator about watching other people go first, about watching other people take risks, about watching other people live their lives. And somehow we get some kind of strange fulfillment by just simply watching them live their lives when we're not even living our own lives. We're playing small roles in our lives when God is hoping that we'll be the people that, that he created. And so as we talk about going first in victory, and as Pastor Jeremy challenges you guys, you're thinking, yeah, the, um, there's no way that that's for me. Like, that's got to be for the kid that leads worship. That's got to be for the one who's got some talent because that's not me. You might have to ask somebody else because I can't talk in front of people. I I don't do well when there's a large group. I stumble with my words. I can't talk. Pastor Jeremy, that's got to be somebody. God, you got to pick somebody else. I can't go first. I can't take that risk. I can't be the one who does this. And we, it almost seems as if we have a list that disqualifies ourselves that we carry around. And so when we feel pressure to do something for God or, or even just to take a risk in our lives, we're like, um, well, no, I, I, people told me I'm not a good student, so I, I'm, I'm probably not going to ever go to college. And they told me all these other, here's my list, and, and so here's why I can't. Why I can't win, why I can't do more, why I can't be more, why, why I can't go first. And we allow other people to tell us these things, and we begin to believe these things. And then as God begins to ask us to do stuff that we've never done, we begin to, once again, pull out that list. And we recite to him over and over the stuff that we're not enough of. But we tell God, like, I'm not good enough. Like, there are other people that you could ask with better families. God, I don't know if you've looked at my, like, I'm the only person in my family that goes to church. God, God you, you realize, like, my dad's in prison, right? You, you realize, man, I don't even know who he is. You know how, how messed up my brother is. My, you, do you see the family? I, come, I can't do anything for you. Like You need to call somebody else. You know somebody else with a better family, with a better life and a better story. I can't do things. Or sometimes we might have tried once or we might have tried twice and we fail and we feel like we can never, ever come back from that. So when God says, hey, do something else, take this risk for me. Tomorrow, carry your Bible to school. Ah, I did that one time. And I got made fun of not doing that again. Well, how about tomorrow you just pray over your food at lunch? About that, um, I'll pray silently and that'll be how that'll work. So we begin to excuse ourselves thinking that God needs somebody perfect. 
that's got it all together, that's got a resume that you would think they're perfect. Look how great they are and how horrible I am. Begin to think, not only can I not get the victory, not only can I not live here, God, but you want me to go first? You want me to step out when nobody else does? That's not me at all. So tonight, I just want to take a look at David's story. Say, I don't want us, myself included, I don't want us to be the people that stand around and look at the giant and talk about how big the giant is. That we stand around and we're like, hey, um, I'm supposed to witness at school. No, like, I won't have any friends. Well, God wants you to go and pray for this person after school. He wants you to do this today. No, no, I, 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 do you know how, how much they'll tease me? Do you know, I only have one friend now and that one's just hanging by a thread. I'm not sure if that will go over okay. We don't want to be the people that are standing around talking about the giant and how big the giant is, and how scary the giant is, and how we should run from the giant. We don't want to be those. So how do you go first? Tonight I'm going to give you three things that allow David to go first and get the victory. First thing that David did was he silenced the voices. He silenced the voices. Every now and then, like I like to mess with my wife um, because... She's pretty much stuck with me forever. And so we'll be talking and like, shh, she'll say something. And so every now and then, like, you just kind of put your finger, like, like give her one of those. Like, that's what we need to do to people's voices sometimes. Now, be careful who you do that to and when you do that. Um, And maybe you just do that in your mind and not really in real life. But you need to begin to figure out how do you silence voices? Because in David's story, there are voices that didn't want him to face the giant. They didn't want him to go first. When he began to talk about going first, when he began to say, hey, I'll take care of the giant. Let me go fight him. I can handle this. I can do this. There were voices in the room that told him, no, you can't. There were voices, and they were voices that should have been supportive. There were voices of his family. There were voices of his leader, and yet they told him, you can't. His brothers started talking about all the things I would imagine that, uh, David, I remember when you were seven and you stole, that's probably why you can't go right now. Like you can't fight. I remember. And he began to tell him all the different things on why he couldn't go. Your heart's not right. You're not really in this for the right reasons. You should go home. You just wanted to see some action. So that's why you came. It wasn't for anything good. That's why you came here. And so many times we let people talk us out of the things that God wants us to do. That's right. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to join the worship team because I want to be a part of worshiping God. Maybe I do just want people to stare at me all the time. Maybe I want people to look at me and think how holy I am and how spiritual I am. Maybe that's what it is. We begin to let people that should be supporting us and should be encouraging us to step out and go first. We allow them to talk us out of it. We listen to those voices. We listen to the voices that say, well, if you're going to do it, then you have to do it like me. Dress like me. I need go buy new clothes. Like cut your hair. Um, maybe stand up straight. Stop slouching. Sit up in your chair. Put your shoulders back. Put your chin down. No, no, no. Chin up. You know all those. You feel like you're walking around taking a picture all the time. Have you ever been around people that you just want to take one picture and they're like, no, 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 no. The light's not good there. Come on over here. Okay. Then, uh, I, first, I wanted you in the picture. Now you go stand over there. We'll just take it by myself. 
Like those kinds of things where they try to make you into something that they see not appreciate who you are. That's what began to happen to David. David began to, to hear people tell him that he can't. People will challenge your motives. They will challenge your heart. When you say you want to go to college, they'll tell you that no one else in your family has ever been to college. They'll tell you to give up on that dream now because every other person that has tried to do that has failed. I wanted to go into ministry. Oh, that's dumb. You'll never make any money. You'll never do this. You'll never have a successful life if you do that. But David was able to figure out how to silence the voices, let alone the giant. Like Those were the people that should have been on his team telling him to go, telling him we got your back. Hey, man, if you go, some of us have friends like, man, if you do it, I'll do it. You go first, you go first then I'll go. All right. And then it's like, all right, once you see you didn't go like we have those kind of friends, they didn't even do that. And then you have the voice of the giant, the voice of the giant that is screaming out, not reasons why you can't do it, but reasons why you'll fail and how much you'll lose if you fail and how much people will no longer like you if you fail and how you can't risk anymore because you failed once before and how much your life will end because this isn't going to go well for you. And the giant that's standing in front of you hopes that you don't move an inch. And he'll tell you over and over again that you can't and you won't. And here's the truth about all of this. The giant may be telling the truth. The people that tell you not to go may be telling you the truth because of what they see physically. But what David was able to do was look at the battle spiritually and say, you know what? Things might be bigger. You might be bigger. I may not really have the credentials to do what I want to do, but I feel like God is asking me to do this. So I'm going to not listen to those voices. And I'm going to listen to the voice of God that says, not only can I, but I will. And I'm going to own the giant. I'm going to defeat the giant. And it's not even going to be difficult. So, silence voices. Second thing that you need. A little bag of tricks, too. Don't forget about your sling and your stones. See, here's what was happening to David. Is David was listening to all the voices around him. Something was happening, and I'm not sure if David really paid attention at first. And I'm not sure if Saul was really meaning to, to mess David up. But Saul began to try, try to make David into Saul. Okay, David, if you're going to go, you need to do this the way that I would do this. You need to wear my armor, you need to take my sword, you need to do all these different things. And so many times we do that very same thing. We see people around us. We see other kids at school. We see even kids in here. Or we want to be just like Pastor Jeremy. So we go get cool glasses. We go get cool clothes. You get cool shoes that matches your shirt. You do all those things like they do. And piece by piece, you cover up who God made you. And the crazy thing about that is that the Bible tells us over and over of how uniquely we're made and how we're fearfully and wonderfully made and how we're a masterpiece. And yet so many different times in our lives, we settle for being a cheap imitation of somebody else instead of being a masterpiece like God created us to be. Maybe he was trying to help David. Maybe not. Because if David would have went like Saul, David doesn't win. 
David remembered this. He's like, man, I'm not sure about that sword. I'm not sure about that armor. But man, I know this. I know what God has given me. I know the tools that he's given me. I know the stuff inside of me that makes me better at this than maybe even you would be. And maybe you need to remember to be who God created you to be. And maybe the reasons that people are pointing out to you are the very thing, is the very thing that God is going to use to make you be able to go first and get the victory. They get pointing out to David, dude, you're little, you're a shepherd, you don't know anything, and yet he used exactly what he had from being a shepherd to defeat the warrior, to defeat the giant in front of him. Sling, stones, be you. Grab your sling, grab your stones, and be first. Be first. David, what I love about this story is David doesn't just walk out onto the battlefield. David runs to the battlefield. He gets his stuff. He knows what's happening next. He runs to the battlefield to face Goliath. He defeats him. He throws his stone, chops off his head, and then the victory ignites a celebration. You guys remember when the Royals won the World Series, right? Did anybody go to the parade? Anybody go to the parade? Yeah. Yeah. So think about this. Think about the cheering that happened when the Royals won the World Series. In your house, I'm sure people were screaming. If you were happened to be at the game or at a public place when you found out the Royals won, like celebration happened wherever you were. And we didn't do anything. I didn't play in that game. I didn't do anything at all. I didn't risk anything. I didn't get paid any money. But when the Royals won, I won. When the Royals won, you won. That's why the celebration was so huge. Because we all felt in that moment like we won just like they won. And I can imagine that that's the level of celebration that is going on as David is standing over Goliath. And the rest of the army is like, do we win? We win. I can win now because he won. Look at that. And the people that were afraid, the people that were hopeless, the people that wouldn't go first, that wouldn't go at all, that wanted no part in it, suddenly had hope. They suddenly had courage. They suddenly had ambition. They suddenly saw that what they saw as hopeless wasn't really hopeless at all. And because David went first, because David got victory, everybody else got to join in the celebration. So know that as God is asking you to do stuff, as your youth pastor is asking you to do stuff, as you begin to go first and as you begin to win, your victory spreads to everybody else. The celebration that you will cause will have ripple effects through your school and your families. It's not just about you. It's not just for you. It's for everybody around you. That's what this is about. Very last thing David needed. The main thing that allowed him to go first be if you could come. The very last thing, and maybe even the greatest thing, was a word that no one really likes. It's submission. See, not only did David have to silence the voices that told him that he can't, that he couldn't, that he would die, that he would lose everything. Not only did he have to do that, not only did he have to remember the sling and the stones and remember who God created him to be and to own that and be that and walk in that and run into the battle. Not only did he have to do that, but there was a level of submission that had to happen for the battle to even take place. Let me read you a a verse that's going to pop up on the screen. Um, It's a little bit before what I read before. It says, one day, Jesse, who was David's dad, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them 
to your brothers. The words of the father that that hit David's ear said, Hey, get your bag and go take some bread to your brothers. They're at this battle. They're here. Go carry bread to them. He didn't tell him, Hey, um, I want you to go get involved in the fight. He didn't send him and say, Hey, if by any chance there's a giant there, I packed your sling, pick up some stones and go do your thing. He didn't tell him to go and rescue everybody. He simply told him to go and carry bread. And in that one act, wasn't a battle. Simply said, son, just go. That's not bread. One act of obedience one task to do wasn't glamorous I'm sure there weren't people signing up being like hey David can I, can I do that for you like dude you got the best job here I'll take the bag from you I'll give you five dollars let me go carry the bread he wasn't sent to pull off a miracle to pull off the biggest upset that anyone has ever seen He was sent to carry bread. Here's the thing about submission and about obedience, that out of obedience comes victory. Out of obedience comes victory. You see, if David would have looked at his dad and be like, dude, I'd rather hang out with the sheep. This is dumb. Why would you ask me to take, we've got servants for that. Send them. If David would have done that, we wouldn't have this story. If David would have said, I'm better than that, or that's not a good enough thing for me to do, why would you ask me to do something that someone else could easily do? But no, what did David do? He simply did what his father asked him to do. So my question is, what's God asking you to do? As Pastor Jeremy talks about victory, as he talks about this revival, and he talks about bringing hope to your friends, maybe God is just asking you, To take some bread, deliver bread, find people that need bread. You see, because ultimately the bread that David brought, brought hope to everybody that was there. The bread that David brought, brought victory. It brought life. I know somebody's hungry in the back. Those are my people. I've seen the way they were looking at that bread. Bread. Here's the thing about obedience and submission. It may look like carrying bread, but maybe just maybe it will lead to you defeating the biggest giants that you've ever faced in your life. And maybe in doing that, it will bring hope to people who've never had hope. It will bring life to someone who thought that their life had no meaning. You know, as we look and, and, and talk about submission and obedience in, in these celebrations. I think back to when Jesus was telling people stories of, of what the kingdom of God was like and, and how we should act and what we should do. And he said, man, there was a shepherd. He had a hundred sheep and one of them got lost. So he left the 99 and he went looking for the one. And when he found the one, 
he brings it home and he gets all his family and his friends together and says, hey, let's celebrate because the the sheep that I lost is now found. I brought it home. Maybe, just maybe, God wants us to carry some bread to some people, to look for those that might be lost so that they might be found, that we can look tomorrow. What happens if you go to your school tomorrow and you begin to pay attention to who's lost? You see, the story of the shepherd is crazy because he had a hundred. Most of us would be happy with a 99% in the class, right? That's an A. I'll take the A. I'm good with that. Some of us would take the 90. Like, we'd be good. Like, round up. We got close to 100. This dude cared enough about the people that were around him, the sheep that were around him, that he noticed when one was missing. And when he went to look for it, it's not just like, oh, I wonder where the sheep was. Oh, maybe I'll spot him. But he had to be quiet enough to listen, to hear that sheep make he had to look in places that probably weren't comfortable for him to get into but were easy for the sheep to get into so what happens tomorrow if you go to your school and you begin to look for people that are lost what happens if you begin to listen to the conversations that are happening to hear the hurt and the brokenness of someone that's lost what happens if you carry bread what happens if you go first What happens if you do that, even if no one else does? I'll tell you what could happen. That person that was lost could be found. And them being found can ignite a celebration that changes everything. What happens if your family gets this? What happens if if you're not determined to just be the only Christian in your family? If you say, you know what, God, if all I have is bread... I'm giving it every day. I'll just give it right here. If that's all you have for me to do is give bread, I'll do that. And what happens if your mom, who's been a drug addict for all of your life, what happens if she gives her life to Christ? What changes happen if your sister who doesn't know Jesus comes to Christ? What happens if your best friend that you know has talked to you about committing suicide what happens if you bring them bread that brings them hope that brings them life what changes in their life what celebration would happen then tomorrow look look for the lost man go first and when you find them bring them home have some conversations invite them tomorrow night tomorrow night Everything could be different for your friend. Tomorrow at school could change the rest of their life and their story. Will you go first? Will you go first? When you hear God, will you move? Will you go first? Close your eyes for just a moment. God, I pray in the next couple of moments that you would speak to our hearts Lord you would talk to us about what you want us to do next where do you want us to go what do you, who do we need to speak to who needs the bread that we have God, and when you put their face in our mind when you drop their name when you give us a place maybe it's starting a, a bible study at our at our school. Maybe it's praying with a 
group of students together every day before school or whatever it might be. And God, we would silence the voices that would give us reasons why we can't. We would listen to your voice. We would be who you called us to be and we would run. Do what you asked us to do.